Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you again for this opportunity that we have, Lord, to gather around your word, Lord, to set aside this time to to seek you, Lord. We know that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword in that it can do a work within us, Lord, that, that no other writing can do, Lord. Your word is powerful. We pray that as we study your word today, Lord, that we will grow in our knowledge of you, that we will draw closer to you, Lord, in this life. Lord, with the busyness of this life and just the day-to-day activities, Lord, it's so easy to become distracted from what is real, Lord, and that is who we are spiritually, Lord, who you desire us to be, how you see us, Lord. We know that from your word it says that man looks upon the outward appearance, but that you look upon the heart. So we pray, Lord, that as we study your word today, Lord, that you would look upon our hearts and that by your spirit, Lord, that you would work within our hearts, Lord, that we might understand your will and understand your ways all the more, Lord. So we acknowledge you in this time and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we will pick up our study in chapter 17 of the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 17. And right off the bat here at the start of chapter 17, we're going to see a repeat of a situation that we also saw in chapter 16. And that is the the children of Israel complaining against Moses and Aaron because of the fact that they did not get what they wanted when they felt they needed it, okay? Again and again, we see a people for whom the Lord God provided for in many mighty ways, but yet this people continues to complain time and time again. But as I mentioned last week, I really think that they are not unlike the rest of us, right? In other words, if we're honest, we will admit that we're no strangers to grumbling and complaining ourselves, right? So we can't look back at this people and say, why did they behave that way? What we do is we look back at these people and we learn, well, we do the same things, right? But let's go ahead and start reading in verse 1. It says, Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of Sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So again, remember, we've seen this before. Nothing new. The Lord God provided always all their needs but they were still quick to grumble and complain. And again, as I did last week or in our last study, I will challenge us all here to examine ourselves 
as to whether we are people that are growing up in the Lord or are we simply remaining immature in our faith and not learning from all that the Lord has done in our lives. And we also, of course, are to learn from what we're reading in the Old Testament here because that is the reason that it is written down. I have quoted this a few times in the past, but the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans, in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, he said, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So this is why we study the scriptures as we do. And we talk about them as we do in order that we might learn from these scriptures and have hope. That's the reason we go to the word of God. That's the reason it's written down. As we read of the ways of the children of Israel here, we we learn patience and we receive comfort, right? Again, let me read to you Romans 15, 4. It says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So as we continue to study here the circumstances of the lives of the children of Israel, and we see how they either obeyed and trusted the Lord, or they disobeyed and they complained, right? We through seeing in the scriptures the work of the Lord in all of this, we can have patience and, and comfort in knowing that the Lord is for us. Oftentimes when we get in situations and circumstances in, live, in our lives, you know, and the day-to-day grind of, or whatever it may be, or it may seem like it's more than day-to-day, it may seem like it goes on for years sometimes, but the Lord is with us. And the Lord desires to work out His good and perfect will, His plan in our lives. He just wants us to trust in Him and to focus on Him. He never said it would be easy. He said in this world we will have tribulation. But He does say He's with us. You know, so we can trust Him and we must obey Him. Um, We do so today. We trust in the Lord and we obey the Lord today when we surrender our lives to Him completely and to His leading. By seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness, that's what Jesus commanded that we do or said that we should do is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I've talked about that in times past, how that when when it says seek first, that means make it a priority. Make it a priority in your life to seek the Lord. Make it a priority in your life to pray. Make it a priority to understand, to read his word, right? I submit to you today that we are either, you know, Walking in obedience with the Lord and His Word, we're seeking the Lord, are we, or we are not. It's really that simple, right? That may sound like something very obvious, but in reality, I think far too many people flounder in the land of gray, or, you know, they, they, they straddle the fence, okay? They half-heartedly walk with the Lord. They're really not making it a priority, to seek the Lord first and make Him Lord of all. You know, we hear that phrase, we talk about Him being Lord of all, but is He really? 
Because in reality, he's either Lord of all in your life or he's not Lord at all in your life, right? So don't delay in in asking yourself the question. Again, this is why we get together so we can examine ourselves and see. We, We study the word to know where we are. And it's not like any one of us is any better off. We, we all need the Lord on a daily basis, but we should take the time to examine ourselves, right? Uh, and when I say that, I'm not making that up. I'm, I'm telling you what Scripture says. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. That's what 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says. So in other words, are you sure? Do you know for sure that Christ dwells in you? And Romans 8, 10 says, and if Christ is in you, listen to this, Romans 8, 10, it says, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So the person that has Christ in them is alive spiritually, and they walk in righteousness as a result. So the test, that is the test as to whether or not one is in the faith, has a, various, uh, has a uh, very obvious answer in the affirmative, and that is that if you walk in righteousness, you are alive spiritually. That is why we must seek first, make it a priority, the kingdom of God, right? Now, you may think I went off on a rabbit trail there, right? But I am simply pointing out that there is a way we are to live and a way we are not to live. Again, as we go back and we study the scriptures, we can learn them both by looking at the children of Israel. We can learn how to live, how to be, and how not to live, right? So as we're studying through the book of Exodus here and observing these ways of the children of Israel, We should be learning what it's like and what it's not like to be an obedient follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And again, it all begins with laying down your life, taking up the cross, being a follower of Jesus who has shown us the way because He alone is the way. He has revealed to us truth because He is the truth. And He has given us life and life more abundantly because He is the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And everything we we need is in Jesus, and we need to seek Him. So we pick up now in verse 4, where it says, So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people, and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Now, just a quick reminder here of what the Lord is talking about to Moses. Back in chapter 7 of Exodus, the Lord had Moses strike the river Nile with the rod. And when Moses did, it turned to blood and the river stank, right? And the fish died. So the Lord is still having Moses here use that same rod to accomplish his will. And we're going to see that as we go on as well. But verse 6, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Oreb, 
and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now, if we're honest as we look at this, right, does this plan here that we're reading of the Lord's, does it make much common sense to any of us here, right? Hit a rock with a stick and water will come out of it, right? We don't think practically in that way. That doesn't make common sense to us, okay? And it probably didn't make much sense to Moses either, but he's seen the hand of the Lord and he knows how the Lord works. And as we grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and we see the the hand of the Lord work in our lives, we begin to see things differently. We begin to see, oh, I know the Lord can do this. He's done this before. I know the Lord can get me through this. He's gotten me through this before. We see his hand at work. We begin to see things differently. So Moses had to simply obey the word of the Lord, right? He had to walk by faith, right? Faith in what the Lord said to him. And this too, we can learn from today. We too must walk by faith in what the Lord has said. Where do we see what the Lord has said? In the Word of God, right? We know the Word of the Lord because we read the Bible. We understand the Bible. We must simply be obedient to take, and and we must take heed to His Word and then live in accordance with what it says. We must do what it says. Not Not just to be, as James talks about, being hearers of the Word, but actually being doers of the work that the Lord tells us to do, right? Oftentimes, many people say, where is the Lord? I'm not feeling the Lord. I'm not seeing the Lord. I'm not experiencing Him in my life. But but the priority is not the Lord. Their priority is whatever else, you know, our finances, our all kinds of things. And we can make a whole list of things that distract us. Again, And these things are common to all of us. You know, Peter said, There is no temptation that has overtaken you than such is common to man. In other words, we all go through the same thing. We all experience the same thing. We can all be distracted. But we gather like this and we go back to the Word of God and we know the Word of God so that we can get refocused and focused on what we should be, right? So verse 7 goes on, So he called the name of the place Massah, and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Now, if you were to go and and read through the book of Deuteronomy, you will find in chapters 6, 9, and 33. So chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, chapter 9, and chapter 33 of Deuteronomy that the Lord will bring up to the children of Israel this place, the waters of Massah and Meribah. Okay, the Lord will bring, them up, bring this up to them. He will remind them of how they tempted him, how they tested him and provoked him here in this place by questioning whether or not he was with them. And again, if we're honest, we can do that from time to time. Say, where is the Lord? Where are you, Lord? Are you with me in this as we go through certain circumstances in life or whatever, right? But this doesn't please the Lord. What is it that pleases the Lord? Faith, right? 
faith pleases the Lord. Walking by faith, trusting in Him all the way, okay? If you're wondering, the word Massah means temptation. And the word Meribah there means strife or contention. So the Lord was not pleased here with their lack of faith and certainly not pleased that they tempted him and caused strife and contention as the people were doing here. Again, we should learn from this. That's not the attitude that the Lord wants us to have. He wants us to be people of faith, trusting in him, walking with him. Now, before we move on to verse 8 here in Exodus 17, I think it would be extremely remiss of me if I didn't point out something to you here. I'd like for you to go ahead and mark this page and turn to the New Testament book of the Gospel of John, John chapter 7. So the Gospel of John chapter 7. Now, as many, many years went by for the children of Israel, there would come a time in the future from what we're reading about now in the future, there would come this time when they would indeed remember all that the Lord had done for them. And they would specifically remember this time here, what the Lord did for them when they were thirsty for water like this, as we're reading about in Exodus Exodus chapter 17. So during a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles, the Israelites, they would remember God's provision for them during their wilderness years. That's what the Feast of Tabernacles was all about. They would commemorate and remember all that the Lord did for them way back in their history when they were wandering through the wilderness or going through the wilderness for those years that they were, for those 40 years, right? And at this feast, at the Feast of Tabernacles, there would be a ceremony in which they commemorated the miracle of water coming out of a rock at this ceremony. And it was at the Feast of Tabernacles here in chapter 7 of the Gospel of John, where if you look down and start reading with me in verse 37, so John chapter 7, verse 37. It's, this was the Feast of Tabernacles, and it says in verse 37, On that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, Jesus is our rock. And no matter how hard a person's heart may be, right? Maybe their heart is rock hard. When they come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells them and they have living waters flowing from their heart. When Moses took the rod and he struck that rock and water flowed out, right? Well, when Jesus hung on that cross and they took a spear and they pierced his side and blood 
and water flowed. Jesus took the curse of the law. He bled in our stead. Today, through faith in Him, we have the living water that quenches our spiritual thirst. That's what this is all about. So we, so we as spiritually thirsty people must come to Jesus and drink. And everyone, even people that have, I mean, especially people that have not yet come to Christ, they are spiritually dry. They are spiritually thirsty, okay? But it's only in Christ where that thirst gets satisfied. And we, we find that true satisfaction. In Jesus, spiritually speaking, we never thirst again. Like he told the woman at the well. He said, if you would know who I am and you, you would give me a drink or you would take of the water that I would give to you, you'll never thirst again, he told her, right? We are blessed in Jesus Christ with that satisfaction. And Jesus tells us that we should hunger and thirst for righteousness. That should be our desire on how we should walk. Jesus never lets us down when we come to him. And back in Exodus chapter 17, I just wanted to tie that together for you. But what's next for the children of Israel now? What else can we read and and learn from today here out of Exodus chapter 17? Well, picking it up in verse 8, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Now, here in verse 8, this is all we know about this attack of Amalek against Israel. And I know I just had you turn back to Exodus, but if you take a moment here and turn up just a few books to the book of Deuteronomy, you'll find next will be Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy 25. Again, back there in Exodus 17, we were simply told there in verse 8 that Amalek came and fought with Israel. And from our studies thus far, we know that this was the very first group of people to rise up in battle against Israel, the Amalekites. Okay? And they did so, when they came against Israel in this, they did so by attacking them from the rear and attacking their weakest people. And they, they attacked them at a time when Israel was very, very weary from travel. They snuck up on them from behind. Okay, And I'm going to show you now where I get that information from. It's found here in Deuteronomy 25. Verses 17 and 18. Go ahead and look down there. Verses 17. Um, Remember, verse 17. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt. Again, that's what we just read in Exodus 17, verse 8. Just that one verse said they came and attacked. Well, here, remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt. How he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear, when you were tired and weary, and he did not fear God. So the Amalekites were a group of people that did not fear or reverence God. They were descendants of Esau. Do you remember Esau from our study 
studies in Genesis, right? Um, he, the Amalekites would be a people that would be a, men a menace to the children of Israel for quite a long period of time. So I just wanted to show you that. Now, as we flip back to Exodus chapter 17, we see them coming against the children of God. That is God's chosen people through whom he will accomplish his ultimate will on the earth, right? The Israelites, right? And moving on in verse 9 now, it says, And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with a rod of God in my hand. Now, this is the Bible's first reference of this man, Joshua, whom we will hear plenty more about as we go on in the future Bible studies. But this is the first time the Bible mentions Joshua. Verse 10 says, So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. It seems if you study this man, Hur, further, at least at this point in time, he was a, a just man amongst the children of Israel that Moses trusted in times of need. But there is further study that one can do on this man, Hur. But here we see him and Aaron go up to the top of the hill as the Amalekites were coming against the children of Israel. And verse 11 says, And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. So here we see intercession taking place. Today we think of the word intercession and we relate it to prayer. And I believe rightly so. But Moses here is interceding on behalf of the people of God. He is still using the rod that is his staff that God has used in many mighty ways, right? Back in verse 9, there it was called the rod of God. This rod represented the power of God. And thus far in our studies, we, we see this rod, we've seen it stretched out over a stream and, and cause a plague of frogs, right? When the dust of the land was struck with this rod, the dust became lice. This rod has caused it to hail, to bring locusts, to bring thick darkness in the land of Egypt, to part the Red Sea. And with it, in this chapter, Moses smote the rock to bring forth water. Right now we see him raising it up in, in the battle. But as we've talked about Jesus as well today, that is Jesus being our rock and the living water that he provides for us through his spirit to quench our spiritual thirst. I also see something here in this picture of Moses, Aaron, and her up on this hilltop. Picture the three of them up there, right? Here stands Moses with a man on his right and a man on his left with his arms stretched out, holding this rod, okay? And Jesus, with his arms stretched out on a cross, had a man on his right and a man on his left while he was on that cross. 
Here in Exodus, the children of Israel had a battle to to fight against the Amalekites. With the outstretched arms of Moses, they were able to prevail. Without the outstretched arms of Moses, they were not able to prevail. Today, we as the people of God have a battle that we must fight as well. It is the battle of the flesh, the battle to become self-centered, the battle of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And this battle can be won, but it can be won only because of the outstretched arms of Jesus. In other words, only because of what Jesus did for us can we win this battle. And only because of what Moses was doing here with his arms outstretched could they win this battle. We look to the cross for our strength in the battle that we go through to walk by faith and not by sight, to be led by the Spirit and to not be led by the flesh we look unto Jesus. Verse 12, But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So yet another victory here we see for the children of God. Again, a grumbling, complaining bunch of people that God just continues to provide for and to take care of. But you know what? They were not the source of their own strength. The Lord God was supernaturally their strength. Their negative speech the grumbling and complaining, that didn't hinder the work of God. Nor if they would have spoken positive words and had positive thoughts, would that have brought on the power of God. They were an undeserving group of people that had a gracious, merciful, and mighty God working on their behalf. Does that sound familiar? Again, an undeserving group of people that had a gracious, merciful, and mighty God working on their behalf. It's not by might, it's not by power that the work of the Lord gets done within us. It's by His Spirit. It's by the work of the Holy Spirit. And as we go through this life, there will be many battles, right? This is not the only time that the Amalekites will pester the children of God, right? And I say, as long as we have skin, we'll struggle with sin. In other words, we'll always be in a battle in this life as we walk through this life, but that's why we've got to focus on the Lord. That's why we've got to fix our eyes on the Lord, right? right. We, so we, we fight the fight of faith while all the while, right, Jesus ever lives. The Bible says that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. So here's Moses up on this hill interceding for the children of Israel. And as long as he was doing that, and as long as his arms were up, they were winning, right? We look to the cross. Like I said, we fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He alone quenches our spiritual thirst, and he alone causes us to be victorious. With outstretched arms, 
Jesus conquered sin and death. The victory is ours. And we, through faith in Him, what are we doing? We're just moving on through this life to get where? Where are we going? We're going to our promised land, the new Jerusalem. Just as the children of Israel here were moving through their wilderness experience and going to their promised land. Joshua is on the scene now. He will lead them in the battles that are to come. And again, we'll talk more about him and expound more on him in future studies. But verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that it will, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Now, you know what? That's not going to happen right away. Because like I said, the Amalekites will continue for a period of time to be very bothersome to the people of Israel, but eventually God will deal with them. Just as for you and me today, we still must fight against the flesh. But ultimately, that battle will come to an end and we will enter the promised land if we continue in the faith. In verse 15, And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now, what we see here in verse 15 15 there, The Lord is my banner, is the Hebrew words Jehovah Nissi. Jehovah Nissi, right? Translated, it means what it says there. The Lord is my banner. But let me run through all of this one more time, right? Again, I'm going to go be repetitive here. But as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites Israelites were winning the battle. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Now, of course, the arms of Moses would grow weary, right? That only made sense. He couldn't hold his arms up for too long, right? He had to be supported, right, by his brother Aaron and this man Hur, okay? In verse 13, we see that the children of Israel were victorious. After the battle, Moses built an altar and named it Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. Now, because of the way in which this battle was won, there was absolutely no doubt as to who was responsible for the victory. The battle was not won because Israel had a great army of fighting men. The battle was not won because Joshua came on the scene. The battle was won because of the power of God. And if you can picture an army in your mind, picture an army going off to battle and they're holding up the flag of their nation. Okay, Someone's holding up the flag of their nation as this army goes off to battle. The hands of Moses were held up in the same way that soldiers hold up a nation's flag. And it has the insignia of that company, of that country, excuse me, on it, right? And and it says that the soldiers are fighting under that banner, okay? They're doing it under that banner, that flag. Well, the Israelites fought under the direction of God, Jehovah Nissi. It was under the Lord's 
banner and with the Lord's help, with his power that they fought and in his name they were strengthened and victorious because of the Lord. Earlier, I just real, real briefly brought up intercessory prayer, but James 5.16 says that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And I'm sure Moses was praying as his hands were being held up. But again, his arms were sure to get tired. And Mark, here's, here's what I want you to listen to as well, right? Mark 14, 38 tells us that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And the truth of the matter for you and me today is that we can only be victorious in the name of the Lord. Our flesh is weak. We can only be victorious under Jesus. He is our banner, the source of our strength as we battle through this life and we live out this life in the flesh, right? From generation to generation, as long as people have followed the Lord, the truth remains the same, and that is the battle belongs to the Lord. And we must not forget, right? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So it's a spiritual battle for us today. But if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And it cannot be overstated, and we cannot forget that the Lord is our strength. He is our only hope in the battle as we fight this fight of faith. Again, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by His Spirit, and we must fix our eyes on Him. So again, as we gather like this, I feel that this is what I'm to do, to encourage you, to exhort you, to focus on the Lord, to seek the Lord, to, to examine yourself, and to say, where am I? I? I have to do this myself too, not just out to you guys, but to myself as well. Where are we? in the Lord? Is He our priority? Is He the priority of our home? Is He the priority of every meal? Is He the priority of our, of our work? Everything we do, are we putting Him first and are we seeking Him? Because it's only through Him. He is our banner. He is our strength. And when our eyes are lifted to Him and, and, and our, we, we find that source of strength in Him, we can be victorious in the battle. Otherwise, we'll lose the battle in this life. And the fight of faith, you can end up losing it, but not when you're fixed on the Lord, not when you're focused on Him, and not when He is your priority. You cannot. You will be victorious in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, again, we thank You for Your Holy Word. God, we've been challenged by it. We've read it today. We, we see the truth of it, Lord. There's so much for us to learn, Lord, and so much we can't cover in such a short period of time like this, Lord. That is why we must feed on your word daily, Lord. For man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know, we'll never forget to feed ourselves food on a daily basis. 
We never go two days and say, oh, you know, I forgot to eat for the last two days. It's always a focus of ours because we know we have a hunger and a thirst. Well, your word tells us to hunger and to thirst after righteousness. But yet we can go many days without seeking you. We can go many days without feeding on your word. Lord, forgive us for that, Lord. And may we repent of that. And may we seek you. And may we cry out to you all the more. And Lord, your word even tells us that all the more as we see the day approaching, that is the the day of your return, that we should gather together, that we should fellowship with one another, fellowship around like-minded believers. So Lord, cause us to grow in your grace and in your mercy, Lord, and in the knowledge of you. But, But Lord, as I pray that, I know that we've got to put forth the effort. We've got to desire you to seek you with all of our heart, to love you above all else, and to place you first in our lives. The battle belongs to you, and you are our strength, but we must seek you, and we must place our faith in you on a daily basis. So, Lord God, we love you, and we know we love you only because you first loved us, and we thank you again for this time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.